What's up, Doc? It's Peter, aka Pad, your boy. Peter Anthony DeLuca. Anyway, welcome. This is Dream Warriors, and we're at the 31 Days of Dread, the Dream Warriors annual podcast event where we review one horror movie a day and discuss the horror movie for the month of October in celebration of Halloween. So you already hear those noises, you hear those sounds, that music is already queued up. So let's hit those notes and I'll be right back. I'll tell you, hold up everyone, let me, let me, I gotta put on my, uh, my, my, my headphones for this and, and grab, grab my coffee because <laughs> we're back on the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup D-Lights iced coffee. Drinking that out of uh, one of my Drexel University mugs, but yeah. So hey, hey, welcome back. Uh, I, lovely to have you sitting with me again. Uh, maybe some of you are driving. Uh, I, a lot of my friends listen to me while I'm driving, so thank you. Uh, please obey all traffic signals and uh, pick up some alcohol tonight if you're just looking for something to do. Go home. Uh, you know, make yourself a fun cocktail. Like, just just try something different. But anyway, I normally save that advice towards the end of the episode. But yeah, this is Peter, Peter A. Deluca, aka Pad, aka Pad Thirteen on Instagram and uh, Facebook. Oh man, I, my brain is scrambled right now. What am I doing? Um, <laughs> uh, aka Pad on Twitter and Snapchat. Snapchat. Uh, I do one theme a day. Uh, it's all kinds of like fun advice and, and, and things like that. Um, so if you're into that sort of thing, if you're into more of my thought process, definitely you have to subscribe to me on uh, and follow me on Snapchat. But if you're into Inktober and watching someone go mad drawing while doing the 31 Days of Dread, check out everything I'm doing on Instagram at AKAPAD13. But yeah, so the 31 Days of Dread, uh, it's, it's one horror movie a day. For the entire month of October. We're at day 21 here. We're at day 21, movie 21. And it's deep rising. So going back to last year. There is a through line. So there, there, there's a couple of through lines. That I even established last year. Last year was some of the completely outlier horror movies. Uh, you know like um, like the, the Bunny Mane murders. That, that was a sequel. I didn't even realized it was a, a sequel. There you go. <laughs> that movie made me realize how well the Friday and the Nightmare and the Chucky sequels or the Child's Play sequels were uh, in comparison. Uh, I, I wish I could say that about the Puppet Master, uh, but I'm not familiar. I haven't seen Puppet Master in years, and I'm not too familiar with uh, you know how well they're connected, what the arcs are. I know they go backwards. I know they go into like Nazi Germany, which is like kind of cool. Because uh, who doesn't love Nazi, um, like Nazi horror fiction? Because you know we have Overlord coming out, <laughs> which is a zombie. Uh, it's it's another zombie uh, Nazi horror movie. Um, the the other one would be what Deep Snow or Red Snow. Uh, uh, I'm getting my titles mixed up because we're talking about Deep Rising here. So what one of the through lines, like even starting from last year was these like very outlier cheap horror movies the other one was movies that were on my list that uh, i just never got around to watching and uh, towards the end towards the the later days of the 31 days of dread 
in 2017, uh, it occurred to me that, oh, I can use this as like a vehicle to expand my film knowledge and my film understanding by watching movies uh, that I know I should be watching, like that I, I know I should see. And two of those movies were like The Hills Have Eyes, the original uh, part one, part two. And the uh, the Universal Studios Dracula. So both of those through lines uh, came right into this year, uh, and last year too. There, there was all, all also like a focus on Stephen King and David Cronenberg, uh, who I'm a huge fan of both. Uh, I'm more of a fan of Stephen King's books than I am his movies. Uh, his I find his his writing far more enjoyable. Um, you know, they're they're really written by main. Uh, by a individual that literally loves cocaine, literally loves cocaine, uh, which kind of makes me again. This is why Lawrence Taylor is my all-time favorite football player because he also loves the uh, cocaine. But yeah, so <laughs> this year, one of our through lines that started last year is Steven Somers, the director of The Mummy and The Mummy Returns, GI Joe, The Rise of Cobra, and Van Helsing. So, day 21 is Deep Rising, and day 22 will be Odd Thomas. Both of these movies were just on my list. Uh, Odd Thomas a little bit less because I wanted um, that, that Dale versus Evil movie, the, the young Dale versus uh, um, Chuck Dale. Chuck and Dale versus Evil. Uh, that and Odd Thomas were both on like my Netflix watch list, kind of like back to back. Um, but the, uh, the, the Tucker and Dale, I can't remember the title of that movie, but it, but Odd Thomas was like second to that, but I didn't realize Odd Thomas was directed by Steven Somers until I, um, <laughs> until I started researching like what he's been up to. So Deep Rising, how did Deep Rising end up on my watch list? Because, because it's, it's, it's an obscure movie. It's an off-center movie. It, it's not a tentpole movie. It's not even a movie that people refer to uh, in its genre to watch. Meaning that you're like, oh, if, if that's your type of movie, you should watch this. No, but if you're into big monster madness, this is one of the best. And this movie really spun my head. And all and we're, we're 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 going to talk. And you know what? I I actually took notes while watching this, and um the the notepads uh, across the uh it's across the Dream Warrior Studio. Um, I, I I may have to stop this real quick, but no. Uh, but real quick though, let, let me just tell you how this movie ended up on my list. And th this is so funny because I love that it's there. Because uh, I do breeze through the, the Wikipedia sometimes before I sit down. So Deep Rising came out in 1998. Uh, you know, it really gave Steven Somers a shot. Uh, it's it's somewhat of a $10 million movie and it made $40, $45, million. So, you know, it's, it's a home run. Harrison Ford originally was set up to be in this movie. But Tret, they gave it to Tret Williams, and it looks like that they dropped the budget. So uh, my sister, one year for Christmas, got me like a subscription to Entertainment Weekly. Uh, you know, the, and probably like probably maybe ninety seven, ninety eight, and I had this subscription literally for years. Uh, I had an Entertainment Weekly stack that that was almost like out uh, performing uh, my new comics because believe it or not, even by ninety eight and ninety nine, I was out. Of really uh, 
collecting comics, looking at comics, reading comics. Uh, I just wanted to draw comics, and that was my focus. Because, uh, and, and I still maintain that today. It's like you're either busy absorbing the content or you're busy making the content. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts today anymore because I'm always doing Dream Warriors. You know, like it's 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 that's a through line for me in my life. Like <laughs> that hasn't slowed down at all or changed. So uh, I, I remember Entertainment Weekly gave this movie like uh, it was like almost like a thumbs up. It was like wow, like that's a weird thing. And they would re- re- refer to the movie during the Mummy coverage, which is great because in Wikipedia uh, we have, uh, on the other hand, uh, I'm I'm quoting here. Uh, I'm quoting Wiki. And pretty soon I'm going to have a quote of a quote. On the other hand, Entertainment Weekly gave Deep Rising a positive review, awarding it a B- and stating that it is a tightly written, often howling, funny aliens knockoff that, in its portrayal of tough men and tougher women under pressure, favorably recalls the work of Howard Hawks. Amazing. Amazing that they even connected it to, to Howard Hawks. I mean, that is truly spectacular. And then the um, the, the rest of the reviews fr- from this movie, uh, that wiki site, are kind of, yeah, uh, <laughs> like, not favorable. So, like, this is almost like the uh, beginning, right? I mean, so Steven Somers never really recovered from G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra. That uh, for some reason, like we want to give Sam Raimi a a, a walk off excuse for Spider Man Three, because the studio meddling is so well documented for that. Uh, I, I believe it. What a executive is on the record of saying that they 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 pushed Venom and the the symbiote onto uh like into that movie for action figures, and I don't blame them. Uh, Saint Rami should have played ball uh, and should have got into uh, that production quickly. Venom is actually a character that that he can well uh, render. Like it just like I don't mean like he's drawing him. I just mean like he he can put that character on screen and he can make that character cooler than a cucumber. I do believe Saint Rami snapped. Uh, you know, within Spider-Man Three, I believe the uh, franchise fatigue got to him as a filmmaker, which is why we give a lot of credit to Michael Bay that he can power through five Transformer movies and make an arc. I'm sorry, kids. Michael Bay has made an arc in Transformers, and it's probably better than any comic book arc out there, and or a TV show arc. Or animated 80s. Oh, my childhood. Okay. I don't care about you and your childhood. If you have Victoria's Secret models and giant transforming robots and everyone looks hot in the movie, I am sorry. I will watch the movie with the Linkin Park song every day of the week. Period. Over the uh, cartoon. I haven't seen the cartoon in ages. I tried watching a retrospective of the Transformers cartoon on uh, Nostalgia Critic and I literally watched about 10 minutes of it. Uh, maybe less. Yeah, you know, it, it was Optimus Prime. It, they're so funny with the costumes, though. But it, I just Optimus, Optimus Prime was in like a uh, a cloth suit, <laughs> like on the couch, and I just was like, I'm done with this. Like, I get what you're doing, but no. And so, what? Like, where is this? So, like, understanding Stephen Summers, uh, it is equally understanding Brett 
Brett Ratner, the director of um, Rush Hour. Okay, and you know, and X Men Three, and also one of my go to movies. Uh, you know, and Michael Bay. You know, like, are, are is this our three headed? Like, are these our three horsemen of the cinematic apocalypse of, of the blockbuster apocalypse? I mean, they're definitely children from the age of blockbuster that was created uh, with Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. You know, with Jaws and Star Wars. Like, we're at a crescendo. We're at a, a peak uh, with this style of filmmaking with these filmmakers. And, you know, the, the 90s come about, and the 90s create a uh, this idea that movies can be cross-platform. Uh, you know, again, started from the Batman movie, you know, Michael Keaton and Batman. But, like, these movies now, uh, you know, like, got into product development okay like the, these movies alone were products but they they got into product development meaning they could spin off and bleed into other things which is kind of funny because um look i just watched uh I, i'm not i'm going to tease it you know monster squad is coming finally for the 31 days of dread I, I'm, I'm just sick of people asking me to do monster squad okay monster squad's coming stop trolling me uh, no, I literally, like, the, the other, I'm not even joking, I even realized this, Mark and I were at RetroCon, uh, I think I got five or six DMs, uh, just from regular people asking about Monster Squad, and, which is weird, because we were at RetroCon, but, uh, you know, and if you, if you watch Monster Squad, you know, it's obviously that they're promoting Adidas, Burger King, uh, you know, Burger King too, also big in Back, Back to the Future, uh, you know, like, and w products were in movies during the, the early, mid-80s. And then the late 80s and the 90s rolled around, the movies themselves became products. And the product placement became more intertwined with the story, meaning it was a car someone was driving. Or uh, there was actually a scene over, like, Pepsi or, or Bud Light or something like that. Uh, you know, the product placement got uh, more interesting. Okay, when when we go into the '90s, and with the movies becoming products, uh, the the rollout again, I will always reference the Dick Tracy Yellow Summer. I, I it's beyond me that we didn't have a Black October with the Venom movie. Like I don't understand how Venom isn't merchandised out the eyeballs, but we're we're in a different age now, and I think it's hurting film because w without people like Steven Somers. Okay, and Michael Bay and Brett Ratner, those three guys alone have funded more independent movies than Harvey Weinstein. And you can say, Pete, how is that possible? Harvey Weinstein reign independent, blah, 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 blah. Okay, these guys are making money so Harvey Weinstein can get a trickle down. Okay, Michael Bay directed Armageddon. That was Disney's biggest thing ever. Biggest production, most money spent. That money, that money made from that movie trickled into Harvey Weinstein's operation, period, okay? It, it, it frees things up. Even though one's Touchstone and one's Miramax, I get it. There, there are these separate entities, but they're still umbrellaed, okay? And money does flow. I'm sorry. It's trickle down. If you don't believe in trickle down, uh, I don't know what to tell you, okay? So, without Steven Somers making 
bank on this movie leading into the mummy and the mummy returns and the, the payday for the mummy returns it was look there's there's a couple sequels in in my time that i really remember there being a fever for the mummy returns being one of them transformers revenge of the fallen blade 2 okay uh matrix reloaded i will even you now it look it, obvious one star wars episode one uh these sequels had such a fever pitch iron man 2 being another one okay there was such a pitch for these movies uh it was it was literally a pot of boiling water frothing over popping off the top and going yolo so without steven Summers and michael bay and these other guys understanding the product of the movie and what flows through the movie you know, when it comes to merchandising. And, you know, and, and the Mummy had some comparable, like, 90s-driven action figures. Uh, you know, without, like, these water worlds even getting product lines. And, demo, like, Demolition Man, you know, had a toy line. Without this push, okay, we, we don't have a trickle-down. Uh, and if these guys aren't making uh, consumable products while adding characterization, connective continuity threads experimentation okay uh adding their love into the 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 fabric of the movie without deep rising we do not have we don't have a lot of movies period we do not have a lot of movies now we'll never know what movies stemmed out of the the box office of deep rising because it's a hell of a profit it's a hell of a profit okay if you could make the return that Deep Rising made in your own life, meaning you spend a little, but you get a, you get four times back. Okay, we would none of us ever would have financial trouble. But it's not easy, and it's not easy making a movie like Deep Rising. So look, I have a notepad. I'm going to I'm going to stop real quick, and I'm I'm just going to fade. I'm going to fade this. I'm already doing some of my posts. I'm going to fade this. Into my notepad, and yeah, I'm going so to have my I've notepad been when I come back. Way more disciplined with the 31 Days of Dread of uh, maintaining notes and, and keeping notes as I'm watching some of these movies, and a lot of it is just me, uh, just look, trying to be more professional, trying to be better, uh, trying to add layers to. A lot of these movies are just overlooked, and because the movies are overlooked, the filmmakers are, you know, like the filmmakers are robbed. They're they're robbed from attention they're robbed out of elder opportunities they're robbed out of perception now we never really know things could happen behind the scenes that you know prevents filmmakers from doing uh you know like you know um from moving on with their career so i don't really know what happens sometimes behind the scenes i don't act like i know you know but sometimes you, you can draw conclusions that sometimes come off as logical and sometimes they're illogical and they're also correct. So there you go. But there are some things we will never know. Look, this movie goes back to 1998. It led into The Mummy. Um, you know, Universal was going into a very experimental phase at that point. Uh, probably uh, like a little bit of a, of a golden era type phase. So we don't really know. But it's it's interesting. And if you like movies, you, you, you're drawn to the... Uh, you know the late 80s the early 90s of universal period okay it's it's something to, to pay attention to so th this movie's great this movie uh opened with like a a opening like narration we had something to read tells us about the deep and then it goes into like this first person perspective <laughs> which is obviously the creature 
Uh, so we're already in like uh, <laughs> like shark mode almost. And, you know, and boom, like, title reveal. So, this movie, like, moved with a speed that I wasn't anticipating. Uh, there was a definite urgency. And it, while I was, like, eclipsing the movie, while I was coming through to the end of the movie, I realized that none none of our characters are redeemable. These are all criminals. Every single character here is a criminal, even though they portray Trent Williams, who... You know, originally was going to be played by Harrison Ford. They play him as 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 kind of a Han Solo ish, like rogue ish, uh, pirate that is you know maybe like has a conscience, but it doesn't matter. Like you're you're a mer- you're a mercenary, you're a pirate. You get paid to do things, and sometimes like now, at the end of the day, we were finding out that um, Trent Williams was was taking mercenaries with uh, with armed torpedoes to a cruise ship to blow it up so this guy can get his insurance money that is right deep rising is essentially a a a, a, a sh- <laughs> it's, it's a insurance gimmick movie that's the plot of the movie okay and now you know obviously by the time we get to the um we get to the boat everyone's dead everyone's digested which is fantastic uh, you know, signs of things being wrong. We have guys running around, cool-looking military guys. So many, so many people in this movie you've seen in a million other movies. Uh, and then we have Femke Jensen, uh, Jean Grey. Okay, she is, um, you know, she's trapped in the brig, but it's kind of like a uh, the brig's under construction, so she's in a ref- giant refrigerator because there's this giant gala that's on this cruise ship, and she is. Oh my God, she looks incredible she looks incredible in this movie it's it's like it's almost like yeah how do you not put her in every single movie ever made period so you know she uh survives the attack and teams up with our rogues who have already been cut down because we do have our alien scene you know where our tough guys with the cool guns get taken out quickly by a unknown source I don't really care. Look, we <laughs> we saw this. Uh, you know, we see it in Blade. We saw it in Aliens. We're, we will continuously see this trope in movies established, created, solidified by James Cameron in the movie Aliens. But not even knocking that. So, and quickly too, what grabbed me in this movie wasn't just the the pace, the movement. The ideas being thrown at you. These characters are so quickly defined. Everyone on the boat, like the pirates on the boat, the mercenaries, all of their ticks are so quickly defined. It it literally spun my head. It blew my mind because when people say you can't have too many characters in the movie or this movie has too many villains, shut up and watch Deep Rising and then go watch Infinity War and go watch the Avengers and, and watch these movies now. That focus on other characters, Batman versus Superman. Look how many different characters are in that movie and different th- uh, threads that are running through that. I'm, I'm sorry, Face and Furious. I can keep going, but Deep Rising is probably the best template you can always refer back to in establishing tonality of the character, uh, the intent of the, and the, the intent and the personality of the character. They're um objectives are quickly solidified in this movie and you know who these people are and you 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 know who to root for and you know who not to in a couple seconds okay and this is all in the first 10 minutes so we've established about 15 characters 
in 10 minutes and then we have a pace that is just moving and then we have a jerry goldsmith score which is probably his most underrated the, the score and this movie meld together they merge together and it's it's is it frustrating that uh like this guy was goldsmith was kind of in uh you know like should he be on this movie shouldn't he be doing bigger movies because i kind of like goldsmith more than john williams and yeah that's blasphemous too but uh goldsmith did rathacon and rathacon is the best film score ever uh it's so good i have it on vinyl so uh eat that so and then what happens we have a boiling down of the mercenaries we have a revelation of the the of the plot and now we have we're split we have people on the uh abandoned boat okay or, or like on a uh, you know uh, the boat is uh malfunction so like the boat doesn't work and we have a cruise ship that doesn't work and we have people going back and forth and we have people doing things on the boat and obviously we know there's gonna be like a pecking order so a part of the, a, a chunk of this movie is a revelation of the digestion that they see because people just like melted in this one room uh some of the rooms are completely bloody there's blood everywhere um and then there's like the stalking and, and slow revelation of the creature now the creature is all cg it's tentacles tentacle was the original title for this movie and and we have a payoff uh we see like the creature's head and more tentacles but that's all we see of it so we still never see the entire creature in this movie and that's that is awesome so uh, one of my other revelations while I was like watching this movie is that it's definitely a King Kong. It's definitely a Godzilla. It, this is a giant monster, low budget movie, probably the best. Okay, it it is way better than than monsters. I'm sorry, <laughs> people like to go for that for the ultimate low budget big big monster movie. No, no, monsters does cool things, but it's it's not this. This movie is nothing but fun. There's it's actually a really hot Asian girl too. And she dies. I was upset about that. But to her, um, she's got boobalas in the beginning of this movie that are worth the price of admission alone. And she's so cute. But but I forget the the actress's name. She's still on television nowadays. I think she's on one of those hospital shows. But yeah, so this movie has like it, it adds to a genre that was just emerging again like the big monster stuff wasn't really anything even the um like they didn't know how to handle godzilla uh when when roland emmerich and and, and dean devlin came in to handle godzilla post independence day the uh, american audiences and filmmakers didn't know what to do with big monsters uh this is one of the best big monster movies that's still not a big monster movie, you know, intended to kind of, again, be this, this, you know, like, lost world, there's a Skull Island type, type gimmick, and, uh, like, the movie's, the movie will never probably be filed under that category, but it definitely is, it's, it's, it is a kaiju movie, I don't know uh, where else you would go with this, Uh, but it, it moves, it's fun, the characters are clear. Uh, you root for people to die, which is, again, uh, why do we watch movies like this? And it, it is tense and it is super action-y and it's super fun. So, I don't know. Like, what else do I have here <laughs> on, on my notes? Look, I even wrote down crazy, insane fun. Oh, perfect ending. Should, should, should we talk about the ending of this movie? 
see like the the movie has kind of like a couple endings like it, it ends maybe a couple times okay the comic relief we think is dead twice he comes back twice amazing because i didn't want that guy to die uh, we think Trent Williams and Femke Jensen are on the desert island by themselves about to have like the biggest bang session on earth. But no, that's not the ending. The ending is when the, the camera pulls away and we see the island and we see that uh, it's got erupting volcanoes and it's, it, it just is a lost world. Okay, they, they ended up on a secret island. It's a lost world. It's a skull island and there's a ruffling. In, in the trees and it actually the ending of this is is how lost season one episode one ended <laughs> like you know it's it, there's a ruffling of the trees and we know there's something giant in there and the camera pulls away and we see almost like a trail being like knocked around towards them and um yeah i think trent williams says something like uh oh like what is it now and perfect ending so the deep rising also establishes the through line of perfect ending movies and i am going to do i might save it for um i i did take notes during this i did say episode 101 was going to be my perfect ending dream warriors episode because we do have multiple movies now and i i kind of want to line them up and go through them i i have to double check one or two movies and make sure um, they have perfect endings, and I, and I refer to them as perfect endings. So I got a little bit of homework to do for that. But I do even, like right now I'm looking at it, I do have a loose list, and I can't wait. But okay. So yeah, so look, that's Deep Rising. It's a movie you have to watch. It's available on HBO, uh, HBO Go, HBO Streaming. Uh, that's how I watched it, because I get free HBO with Comcast. Maybe, like, thank you, maybe. Like, it's hard to say thank you for Comcast because my internet was just down. That for some reason, 9 a.m., my internet cuts out. Isn't that the craziest thing? Like, every Saturday at 9 a.m., my internet cuts out. It's the weirdest thing. But look, everyone, rock and roll. I love you. I love you all. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all of the, the uh, support. It means so much to me. Me seeing the analytics and the numbers coming in. It, it means a lot. Uh, look, we can only go further. We can only go higher. We can only go through the metosphere, the metosphere, the stratosphere. We are going past the moon because I, I'm somewhat convinced Dream Warriors is the only bastion, the, the the castle on top of the Shining Hill, the last one left that is really interested in film review. I don't know. But come at me if you don't like this movie. I, I honestly got want to say it. Uh, and this goes right into Odd Thomas. And guess what the reviews for Odd Thomas are? I couldn't even go through some of it. Uh, I will probably read the Wikipedia reviews of Odd Thomas to you tomorrow. Okay? For day 23. Okay, everyone. Have a great day. I'll talk to you later. Dallas and I, signing out.